Hello and welcome to a very special Dr. Brian McDonough show. My guest is Dr. Michelle Comer. Dr. Michelle Comer is joining me from Galway, Ireland. She is a professor at the National University of Ireland in Galway. Uh, I know her quite well because she was my instructor in Irish studies at NUI Galway, and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, well, I suppose it, it is and, you know, has been the national holiday uh, for quite some time. And yeah, I suppose it is obviously um, celebrated all over the island as well as all, all over the world. I suspect the mode of celebration probably changes a little from place to place. Uh, for most Irish people, it probably, how you celebrate probably depends on whether you have children or not. Um, if you have children, they're invariably uh, involved in local parades uh, and other festivities and events. Uh, for, for adults, then, obviously, there are different types of, uh, of celebrations that more often than not will end up uh, with a little tipple. That being said, um, in your work, it's really interesting how I'm going back and looking at medieval Ireland, going to ask you some specific questions, but St. Patrick came up because in those reports, people were saying they were studying religion at the time of St. Patrick when he came to Ireland in the fifth century and looking at the origins of Christianity. And that might be a good place to start, um, how you can use archaeology to find out the distant history of a people. Tell me a little bit about how you use it to see the lives of people at the time uh, and, and try to learn from that. Well, I suppose the the main point about archaeology is it's the study of the physical remains of the past. So it's the, the things that people built, the things that they made, the things that they lost, the things they left behind. It's the hard evidence. So we can use that evidence in historic eras to test kind of documentary evidence from those eras, which aren't always, as you might expect, uh, reliable. And of course, we can push it back into pre-literate eras as well, you know, times when we don't have a written evidence. And the time of St. Patrick, as you said, in and around the 5th century AD, is a time when literacy is beginning to be introduced into Ireland. And many of our early documents from that era, we call it starting in the 5th century, the early medieval period, many of the documents that survive from that, that era are not... 100% reliable. And when it comes to church-related documents, especially when people are writing about saints and early saints, there is often a lot of deliberate uh, kind of exaggeration in the texts where they're describing the miracles performed by these, these saints. And, you know, a lot of stories and legend then build up around a lot of these early figures like St. Patrick. Um, for example, if St. Patrick had actually founded all of the churches around Ireland that he's supposed to have founded, then he would have lived for several centuries because it would have taken him that long to actually get to them all. Uh, so you can see how these um, stories and legends and reputations uh, build up over time. Much of it deliberately so. It was in the, the best in interests of the early monasteries and churches to promote their own saint. Uh, and therefore, you know, the saint's reputation rubbed off on the actual monastery uh, as well. So, you know, in and around the fifth century, it's, it's, it's a transitional era. We have some documentary evidence that 
I suppose, suggests some things about that time. But we have a lot of kind of hard physical evidence, archaeological evidence that we can use to test those documents uh, and fill out the picture uh, a little bit more. And I suppose it works both ways. There are gaps in the archaeological record as well, where if you're lucky, you can apply some of the, the written evidence. So around about the time of, of St. Patrick, it was a very interesting few centuries in Ireland where society was changing uh, politically, economically, as well as the, you know, the introduction of this, this new religion. Now, of course, St. Patrick himself wasn't the first Christian in Ireland. We know the year before Patrick, around about the year 430, 431, uh, the Pope in Rome had sent another bishop called Palladius to Ireland to minister to the Christians who were already here. So sometime before, maybe in the early 400s, there were Christians living in Ireland. And Palladius was the first official, their, their first official bishop. And then Patrick is recorded the following year. But of course, Palladius has been forgotten. Uh, and we all know, uh, you know, what has happened to Patrick in the intervening centuries. <laughs> um, and all that has built up around that particular figure and everything that he has come to, to, to symbolize. If I remember my studies well, Patrick actually was basically taken from his home. He was brought to another country where he was educated, and then he came back to Ireland. And that's when he began, I would say, prophesizing and, and touring the country, more or less trying to spread the word. That's my understanding. That's at least do. Do we have historical record of that from documentation? We have um, his own writings and we have other writings that record him actually being taken as a, a slave, essentially, on a, a raid. So he was um, living in kind of Romano-British kind of Wales, uh, southern Britain. And he was taken uh, during a raid by an Irish group as a slave, brought back to Ireland where he was put to work. And he eventually uh, leaves Ireland again, goes away, uh, as you say, is, is educated and then returns of his own volition uh, later on. Um, as a missionary, essentially. St. Bridget's Day, which is February 1st, is a very important time. And it was interesting to see again how um, this well of Bridget, which had been more or less a pagan type of a ritualistic center, the church kind of took and made its own. And that seemed to have happened along, like you were talking about, taking things and kind of bringing it into a... Uh, a, a monolithic God and, and, and bringing Christianity that, that happened a lot. In, I guess, as Ireland, as you say, changed in that early, early medieval period. Yeah. I suppose Christianization was a very slow and gradual thing uh, here in Ireland in the early medieval period. Uh, part of that, and probably just part of it was the acquisition of earlier ritual or religious or spiritual sites that were already important to the people and changing them so that they were no longer pagan, but they were Christian monuments. So we see that in, in you know, a number of places. Um, I think today, sometimes people can almost interpret that in a different, different way than it actually happened. I think at the time it was a very deliberate thing to not destroy paganism, but they, neither were they trying to conti continue it. They were trying to change it into and transform it into the, the new religion. Uh, so it wasn't a, a deliberate attempt to continue certain pagan traditions. 
it was a deliberate attempt to change them. Um, so I know that today people looking back sometimes like to think that the early Irish church was trying deliberately to preserve some pagan traditions, but I don't think that was quite the case. Um, I think it was trying to change those traditions and make it easier for people to transition from earlier beliefs to, to the Christian ones. So it's a very interesting kind of process. And clearly it was a process that was extremely successful over the course of, of you know, at least a couple of centuries. Dr. Michelle Comer, I want to thank you for joining me today on the Dr. Brian McDonough Show. It's been fascinating. I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. And uh, it was great to share some stories and, and to learn even more. You're very welcome.